0: Okay, the wife, Michelle, took a chance and wrote a stranger in prison who was serving 80 years for murder. Reggie, the husband, wasn't quite sure if he wanted to give up cheeseburgers from commissary to buy stamps to write Michelle. The chance paid off for both of them, and they got married. It was a very bumpy ride in prison and one that could have ended badly, but they stuck it out. Today we talk with the whole Hicks family. Come on, let's do a background check. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past?
1: Of course I have.
0: Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh- it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, Go go ahead. Check my background. My name is J. Dan Gum, and this is... Is background check. You
1: already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon. So tell them that I won't back down now. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to
2: background check. Hey,
0: everyone. Welcome to Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiving Felons, helping people with a past realize their future. You know, at Forgiven Felons, we help men coming out of prison get back on their feet by providing practical, physical, and spiritual tools they need to successfully reenter society and become productive citizens. If you want to know more about what we do at Forgiven Felons, visit us at ForgivenFelons.org. There's also an application packet on there if you want to send to your loved one in prison who might need a transitional house. Also, if you missed us on The Huckabee Show, you can catch us on the front page. And if you're interested in watching our documentary, you can watch it on Roku TV or Tubi TV. All right, so Background Check Podcast, what's it all about? It's about sharing motivation, inspiration, and information with anyone or whose family or has been impacted by incarceration. Sometimes I'll do a solo talk, a little mini episode. Uh, most of the time I'll have guests on that have a great comeback story uh, where they didn't let their background hold them back, uh, but they rose above it. Occasionally we'll have guests with information, parole lawyers, judges, different things, reentry programs, And sometimes we'll just have motivational guests on. So today's guest is the Hicks family. Reggie, who served 30 years for murder, his wife, Michelle, Reggie's dad, Clark, and Reggie's stepmom, Deborah. They're the most incredible family I know. They've been through so much, including Reggie losing his biological mom just weeks before he was uh, released. Reggie and Michelle did something that I always suggest against but they have made it happen through thick and thin and have been married 12 years plus. Reggie got to hit against Andy Pettit as well in college. That's cool if you're a baseball fan. I cannot wait for you to hear this family's story, so let's get to it. All right, Reggie, Michelle, Deborah, and Clark, welcome to Background Check Podcast. Thank
3: you. Thank you.
0: Uh, this is the first for me I've never done a whole family like this but I'm excited don't know how it's gonna work out don't know how it may be a two- day interview uh, but uh, who knows but I'm, I'm happy all of y'all are here um, so Reggie uh, you've been out now for what four weeks four weeks yeah. and you did how long
4: 30 years
0: which has gone by faster the 30 years or the four weeks the four weeks <laughs> So, um man, you know we're going to get into your story, and your story's amazing and I've known you since I think I started coming in when when did you get to the wind unit
4: uh almost eleven years ago, and I met you about eight years ago
0: yeah, okay, because I remember I was starting to come into the wind unit uh about I think two thousand nine mm-hmm. or ten uh, on a regular basis so uh but anyway i'm it's been a pleasure getting to know you. I saw, I saw you every year. We wrote letters some years. You wrote me more than I wrote you. <laughs> but, um, and and uh, I don't know, maybe I'll post one of your letters because uh, you're a pretty funny guy. And uh, y- your letters made me laugh. I don't know if I ever told you this, but your letters on some days was what kept me from getting down, staying down. Nah. I don't know if y'all know this, but Reggie's a comedian. He's a comedian. <laughs> He likes to make people laugh, and, and uh, he made me. He, <laughs> Dad said, yeah, I know, I know. So, uh, so this is going to be a fun interview. We're going to talk a little bit about your story, uh, uh, and we're going to get uh, Mom and Dad to verify your story in case you leave some things out or don't tell some things right. And then uh, your lovely bride, Michelle, is here, and we're going we're gonna to talk about that and, and, uh, and how y'all met and your marriage through incarceration because it's, it's amazing. I've followed most of it. Uh, Michelle's even donated, uh, donated some stuff to Forgiven Felons. So Michelle, I wanna go on record and say thank you so much for all the hygiene. Um, I think you were about to send some more, but then you got distracted by somebody getting out of prison, um, <laughs> but that's okay. That's all right, it's okay. So Reggie, let's just start off with you, man. Tell us a little bit about your childhood, growing up. What was it like, and uh, you know, and kind of lead, kind of lead us into, you know, maybe uh, whenever you got in trouble.
4: Yeah, well, for me, I don't have a lot of story like many people do. I grew up in a two parent home, uh, really raised in a church, and uh, I think I had a really good upbringing. Uh, we got to go vacations, and my dad worked. My mom was a stay-at-home mom, and uh, we were raised really well. Good morals and values, and uh, going through school, we never needed, we all, I mean, we always had exactly what we needed, many things we wanted. And uh, elementary, uh, junior high, it was funny, my mom was on the PTA, and so a lot of times she would pop up at school. And so a lot of times she caught me in uh, bad positions, and uh, I was reprimanded in front of all my friends. But uh, no, uh, growing up it was just wonderful. Uh, I got in sports at a very young age. Uh, What'd you play? Baseball. Okay. And uh, I remember it was in 1979. We playing baseball in the backyard, and uh, I broke a window. Oh no! That my mom. We all there. broke a window. I think. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, she hollered and she told my dad, you better take that boy to the park to play baseball before I kill him. And so, <laughs> uh, we started playing sports at that age, 1979, I played T-ball. It's my first year. And so that kind of led me into the sports all throughout, uh, summer from, uh, the time I was seven years old, all throughout high school, but, uh, played a little football.
0: Yeah.
4: That was mostly for pep rallies and the girls, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, uh. But I really love baseball. Were you a
0: good high school student?
4: In high school, uh, I I think I was a lot smarter than I showed. I didn't want to be too smart because I wanted to be the class clown, make people laugh, yeah. uh, get in trouble every now and then, get a little street creep. But I wasn't a real bad student. Uh, uh, so you
0: could have been better if you'd applied yourself. Oh, God, I could yeah. have been
4: better. And when I when I got a lot of attention from college to play sports, I came to regret it because my grades were not as good as they should have been. So, I I lost the opportunity to go to a lot of good colleges over the country. So, yeah.
0: And then did you go to college?
4: I uh, went to college for one year, San Jacinto Junior College. Okay. So, uh, Clark,
0: you know, he said he was a good kid. You know, he said he had a good home. Tell us, what what was Reggie really like?
3: Well, really Reggie was a good kid, but after high school and – I think it brought some problems in his life once his mother and I divorced. Okay. He came, stayed with me a while, he would come. He would be good, he would act ugly. He was talking back and I had to send him back home. Yeah. and uh, So that, that was in high
0: school when you and high school. his mom divorced? And yes. so that's when, how long after that did Deborah come into the picture?
3: Uh, about a year later. Okay, so Debra, what,
0: what did you think about, about Reggie?
1: Well, I like Reggie. <clears throat> Reggie was a very good kid. He really okay. was. Um, I didn't really have any problems, you know, like just problems with him. But um, like, like his dad said, he could be a little mouthy <laughs> sometimes. But as far as grown disrespecting, being really disrespectful <laughs> or using profanity, never. I never heard him.
0: So he was always disrespectful. Yeah, no. I, I mean, respectful. 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 Yes, I, mean, I never respectful. heard
1: him use profanity. That's good, never. man. Never.
0: I'm learning. I'm learning about you, yeah. Reggie. That's good. That's good. So Reggie, uh, after high school, you know, you went to college. W- um, when did when did stuff start turning to? I mean, how did you get? Did you start hanging around the wrong crowd? What what led you to where you know you committed your crime?
4: Well, for me, I think uh, all of my life I've been pretty successful playing sports, hitting uh, shows better than the uh, guys I played with, and uh, for me, I think the first time I experienced failure. Uh, Going to San Jacinto, playing for the best junior college in the country uh, under the leadership of Wayne Graham, best coach in the world. I remember trying out for the team, and uh, he told me that uh, an intramural game Andy Pettit's on the mound. Oh, wow. And I uh, got, got, got a chance to hit against Andy, Andy Pettit. But I remember the names went up to make You said team. hit against him. Hit against him. Did, did you him. hit him or did, did you strike out? Strike up the middle. Baby. Okay, all right, yeah. all right. And so, uh, but when the names went up for the team, uh, I remember my name wasn't on it. And uh, he talked to me and he said that I was really good and I should work hard. And so for the first time I failed and uh, all of my friends were succeeding, doing well. Many were playing minor league baseball. Others were in college, and so for the first time, I felt like an outcast. And yeah. so I kind of distanced myself from successful people, right? And chose different friends. And while I hold myself accountable and responsible for my choices, I think that was a turning point for me. Okay. So what,
0: Clark? What did you think about him in, at that phase in his life?
3: He was good, and reflecting on the job that I got for him, that I, overseen him getting security. And uh, and he failed me when he got out of uniform and got in a exercise uniform, which I think he was, was turning for the worse then. Yeah. We have to successfully get him an apartment and implement it with cooking, mattress, place to sleep and everything. But he started he abandoned that. Yeah. And uh I would go he he always worked me because I was a self-employed contractor after coast still shut down and everything. And uh I would look for him, he wasn't there. Yeah. He had promised me a few times, but he didn't Yeah. Wasn't available. Yeah. And he was one of my most dependable son out of the three.
0: Yeah.
3: Okay.
4: And uh I kinda
0: So so when did when did when did everything take a turn for the worse? What happened?
4: What Well okay, so uh one night uh I decided after alienating myself from the successful friends I had, a couple of guys and we would just go hang out at night sometime and and maybe shoot street lights or uh, with uh,
0: with guns. Yeah, with okay. guns. All right, I mean, and
4: and we would uh, throw baseballs at cats and okay. all little little. I, I approve things. of that. I approve of that. <laughs> yeah. I don't like cats, and, so uh, I approve of that. So one night about one o'clock, a couple of friends called and said they wanted to go out to a party, and uh, I was at. My mom's at the time playing a video game, actually. And I decided to go. And uh, I don't really recall taking a weapon for protection any other time, but I'm thinking we'll go do something mischievous, have some fun. And so I took a gun. And uh, two guys and myself, we went, we we got into a cab, and we were going to a party. And the next thing you know, an argument ensues. Uh, One of the guys in the front seat hollered that he had a gun. And so, I, of course, I pulled a gun, and he was reaching on the gun, and I thought, okay, surely he's going to shoot my friend. And so uh, my life changed in a matter of seconds. Were you arrested that night? No, actually. Uh, Did you think it, you got by with it? or? Well, after it happened, uh, us 18-year-old kids, we ran and ran and ran. And uh, it's funny because uh, my mom used to always say, uh, you don't need to be out after 2 a.m. Of mm-hmm. course, I was an adult at the time, finished high school, had my own little spot, and I thought I'm, I'm a grown, grown man. I'm a grown, grown, man. grown. Yep. And so here we are, running uh, after it happened, and I remember just looking at my watch, and it was like eight or nine minutes after two a.m., and I could hear my mom's voice saying, "Nothing but troubles out there after 2. We actually got away that night, and I was looking at the news, and I thought, "I sure do have to turn myself in." And so when they didn't come and get us like I thought we would, they would. Uh, for the next week or so, I thought. Well, I'll just save some money, get a good lawyer, turn myself in. And a week turned into a month before, you know, I was out 11 months. And uh, so finally one of my uh, co-defendants got into some more trouble hmm. and uh, was charged with some aggravated robbers, assaults, whatever. And, uh, of course, he was looking at time, so he decides and tells, he tells the DA, hey, I know about— I got our, some info. I got some information <laughs> that you can use. And so— uh,
0: How much did that help him?
4: Not very much. <laughs> Not very much.
0: Not as much as he wanted to.
4: <laughs> well, he got out three years before I did, oh, so wow, I guess. Okay. Right. But uh, yeah, and so uh, I'll never forget. They came to my house. I didn't know at the time. Had on a body mic, and uh, my father had just left.
2: So and, this was uh, at
4: at home. At my mom's. Okay. And uh, my father they came over, and and I thought that was strange because I said, "Hey, I'll take you where you're going." He's like, "No, nah, I'm a walking." I don't know. For long story short, when I was arrested three days later. I found out that uh, he had come with a body mic, and uh, he was wired and recorded the conversation. And so, yeah, I was arrested gotcha. 11 months after. Gotcha. Did you go to trial? I did. You did? Uh, not so much because I didn't hold myself accountable and responsible. My thing, I was initially charged with capital murder, and my mom was taken before the grand jury, and uh, they refused to indict me on capital murder. They indicted me with a split indictment, murder and aggravated robbery. Okay. And uh the aggravated robbery was later dismissed. I was uh I went to trial. He was shot once and I pleaded self defense. But I was found guilty of murder, given a life sentence. Uh maybe sixteen months later I won my appeal, went back and went to trial again and I was found guilty again and given eighty years for murder. Wow. I see that's the part I didn't know about that you won your first appeal. Yes, I did.
0: What 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 was going on? Now were you in jail at that time or out on bottom? Yes bond? I was. You okay, uh, So what was going through your mind when you won the appeal,
4: man? Well I thought, uh, because the appellate court had reversed it for technicality uh, provoking a difficulty. Uh they were trying to say that I robbed the man to kill him. Well, the appellate court overturned it saying that wasn't that couldn't have been that couldn't have been a possibility. Right. And so uh the instruction was that the district attorney, uh prejudiced uh, the jurors, so right, they, they right. overturned it and immediately. And uh, and so I thought that I really have a good chance of getting a self-defense with the murder. Uh, of course, that didn't happen. Uh, after waiting in the county jail another three years, uh, I was found guilty uh, again of murder. So the
0: whole time? You were, in, you were in county jail. So you didn't have money. Was there no bond, or you didn't have money to bond? Well, I didn't back? have
4: bond. The first time, on the first trial, I was in, in the county jail, two years and about 11 months. Okay. went to TDC for about 16 months. Okay. was brought back and stayed on bench one again for almost three years. Okay, gotcha. Now, in, in county on bench warrant. In one? county jail. Did,
0: <laughs> so did you? <laughs> uh, I mean, after being in prison already and then coming, to, coming back to county. How bad was that? Very bad. <laughs> I mean, neither one of them are good. But man, if you have if you have a choice between <laughs> county jail and prison, uh, I remember being in a county jail and just hearing guys, man, man, come on, send me to prison, yeah, man, send yeah. me to prison. Huh. So, uh, well, well, that's a part of the story I did not know about. So, yeah. um, all right, so eighty years for murder. And uh, Clark, what's going on, Deborah? What's going on in y'all's mind through, through all this?
3: Well, ahead,
1: I was I was very upset. I didn't go to the first trial yep. that, he, that that they had, and uh, Reginald went, but I went to the second one. So, honestly, I was just crying the whole time. Yeah, I was yes. just crying the whole time from the time I walked in the court until the time we left. And what really hurt me so is when uh, the judge it was a female judge when she said uh, eighty years, and uh, when Reginald passed by me going out. It's the look on his face, you know. He, he had kind of had a little smile, but I could see the hurt, yeah. you know, and disappointment. So it was very hard for me. His daddy was a lot stronger than, than I was, honestly. Clark, what was, going on? what was going on in your mind? That
3: was a very difficult period. And uh, I had wondered, uh, uh, I had heard rumors about the court, the Harris County, how uh, vile they was and how they would beat up the guys and, and do things they shouldn't do. I was wondering whether he would survive that before he was sentenced by the judge. Yeah. Very difficult. Yeah. A whole lot of sleepless nights. And that. Hmm. My wife didn't see me crying, but I did.
0: I can't imagine.
3: Very difficult.
0: So what was, what was Reginald's mom? How was her state through all that?
3: Well, I think at first, she was hardened because she had talked to him. Yeah. Am I am I true, Regent? That no. she said she would never come see you. No, no. I, but I she told us.
4: I think I think uh, the disappointment of uh, being raised well and making a choice. I was kind of mad at you for making, uh, that, for making that choice. Uh, kind of learning that our choices affect our families so mm-hmm. much, so deeply. It affects their friendships yeah. and 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 their work, their, uh, everything. It yeah. just affects everything, and and as a result of a choice we make, our family is uh, stigmatized with yeah. the fact that hey, your son committed murder. And so, yeah. I think that was uh, the issue early on. But my mom did visit, and she supported me. It was just tough. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I get it. But yes.
1: Um, Well, what I would like to say about Reggie's mom, uh, his biological mom, Jamie Hicks, um, she did, I mean, we had our differences, you know, through us getting married. I met my husband through uh, my landlord, which they live, like, right down the street from my landlord. I had no clue of that at the time. So that's how I met my husband, through my landlord. And, um, what a great landlord! Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and uh, his mom did tell me as they grew up and got grown, she thanked me. She said, "I, I will tell anybody that you treated my my sons like they were your that like They were your children." That says a lot. Uh-huh. So um, you know, we came together, and when his mom was in the hospital and you know in the nursing home, I would we'd go and visit her, and I would push her to Walgreens or whatever because she could no longer walk after she had the stroke. And, I enjoy doing that, you know, yeah. because that's what we're supposed to do, help one another, So, good.
0: So uh, 80 years, you're facing 80 years. What's going on in your mind? Yeah, I, let's say after, after you get denied the second, you know. You got the appeal, so you had some hope, and then it got denied.
4: So now you're, now you're looking at it. What, what's your mindset? Uh, for me, uh, looking back now, you, it was a lot of fear uh, going into a culture. Uh, I mean you walk in a day room and you have white benches and you have black benches you have Hispanic benches and and you have the Crips and Bloods and Abrams circle a brotherhood and Texas Cynic and Mexican mafia, and you're not gang affiliated so it's a lot of fear yeah uh, my first thoughts were I want to get out of this place the way I came I wasn't uh, concerned or interested in becoming a part of a gang or a family and uh, and so a lot of fear and you never did either, did you? No. Okay. Yeah, been. I was the same way. I got approached, you know, just because of the way I look. Yeah.
0: I got approached. And, uh, and yeah, that, that was the part I was scared about, too, because I was yeah. like, man, to survive, I'm going to have to. Yeah. Um, but I took my chances. You know, thank God I'm big and ugly. Thank God you're big and ugly. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> you're like, speak for yourself. But, uh, you know, I, and, and I, but I got approached. And so so you had some fear. I I, I, uh, I know that same fear. But uh, what was life like for you? Those first, you know, first years.
4: Total adjustment. Uh, you have older guys who from your neighborhood or Houston or whatever, and and they give you all these unwritten rules, and you're introduced to this another culture, and you're speaking a different language, and 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 it was tough, and so and so you didn't want to get punked, and yeah. so uh, and so that were code words, and you didn't want nobody to disrespect you. you, weren't gonna be intimidated, and so. Unfortunately for me the first few years of adjustments were tough. I had a lot of fights. Okay. And uh it became uh violent. Yeah. And uh and so yeah, uh, it was it was just tough. You spent a lot of time in, in SEG?
3: No, actually, um, uh
4: early on I was sent to uh the terror unit. Okay. Which was unfortunately it was a it was a unit where the culture was violent. Yeah. And so officers would actually come on lunch break and see people fight. Mm. Uh it was no lockdown. Uh yeah is it over? And that's all they wanted to know. Yeah. And, uh, so yeah. Okay. Well, how's your spiritual condition at this point? Oh God. Again, I grew up in a church, but I just believe that as a thing you can be saved and I converted yeah. and that was no conversion. Uh, that was no heart change, so you no mind. So change. you weren't living it. You weren't oh, living God, for God no. at this point. Oh, no way. Okay. Uh, all right.
0: I was living to survive at that point. Yeah. So now, yeah. so, uh, uh, how far into your prison sentence, did you eventually make a heart change Uh, for me uh, it took about 18 years Uh, so Michelle let's uh, let's bring you in and and uh, because I want to know where where you where you come into the story how did y'all meet (laughs) you know uh, I need to know this story because obviously uh, you weren't there you know before he went into prison right so uh, so I want to hear this story whoever knows it the best I want to speak first. It looks like it might be Michelle. So uh, how'd y'all meet? What attracted you to this dude? And, uh, and and what still attracts you to this day, to this man?
2: Well, you know, growing up, I had um, cousins who were kind of in and out of jail slash prison for mostly drug-related right. things. And so um, I would always kind of write them little words of encouragement um, when they went in and was talking to a friend of mine uh, one day who happens to be a mutual friend of Reggie and I and told him that I wanted to write some people in prison, but I didn't want to write people that nobody knew. I needed somebody to vouch that they weren't crazy. Right. So he gave me the name of, three or four different people um, that he grew up with and that he said were good people, they just made bad decisions which landed them in prison. So I sat down and wrote all four of those people, one of those people was Reggie, um, the same exact letter and it was really just to encourage, um, to let them know that they hadn't been forgotten about um, and that, you know, I was there as an ear Um, all of them wrote back um, and um, Reggie and I just hit it off we were um, friends uh, for for a while and that really kind of developed into more but that's really kind of how it started it was just a I had never intended on ever falling in love with a guy that was in prison <laughs> but um that's what happened and so what
0: what did he say in his letters that made him stand out um, you said they all wrote back
2: yeah they all wrote back um i don't really know exactly what it was other than he was really funny yeah <laughs> um and he allowed me to ask all the awkward weird questions that we on the outside want to know about prison life right because i while i had cousins who had gone to prison it was very short since and we never really talked about it but i'd never been to visit anybody at prison yeah um and so he let me ask all of those questions and was very
0: like give me an example what did you want to know what was one of the questions you want to know i don't even remember Do you remember
4: reggie was was it true? If you drop the soap, don't
1: oh,
3: drop yeah, the soap.
2: yeah, that at was all. one of them.
4: <laughs> oh, <laughs> I rem- I remember it a little different, Jay. Uh, uh well, I, was, guys
0: and girls always remember things differently. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. Okay, all
4: right, so so.
2: Yeah,
4: I remember in these letters she was flirting with me. And, and, no, I'm <laughs> oh just my goodness. Uh, actually, <laughs> well, wait a minute. I want to know. Did you know what he looked like before you wrote him?
2: No, I didn't. <laughs> okay. Um and I think it wasn't until about. Three months after we started writing that no, I... No, 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 sweetheart.
4: I, I remember very different oh. because I, I was one of the guys in prison that didn't do pen pals.
0: Yeah,
4: I wasn't getting on the internet. I wasn't doing none of that stuff. I was institutionalized. My mind was in prison. So how, how many years into your prison sentence was this? Well, this was about 16, 17 years in. Okay. and she So wrote, you haven't
0: really... You haven't had an, a, a true encounter with God yet, because you no. said that was about 18 no. years
4: no. in. So you're not really living for the Lord yet. No. Yeah. And she writes, and and I remember she said she worked for a law firm. So, well, you know, me being smart as I'm not, uh, I thought, <laughs> okay, she's I'm a lab rat. And I remember writing the back and said, hey, uh, if you want to be friends, we'll be friends. I don't want to be a lab experiment. I said, I don't waste my stamps on pen pals. I buy cheeseburgers with my stamps, <laughs> and so if, if you're really serious about being friends, then I'll put you on my visitation list. Well, the third letter, uh, you, I got that was back. the second letter you wrote. Well Yeah, yeah. I was. Wow, you just because, put it out there, huh? Well, yeah, I mean cheeseburgers <laughs> are good, and so, and so, and so. The first letter was April 26, okay, 2007, and uh, on April, I mean on May 26, one month later. I put in for visitation that week on a Thursday. And I told her, if we want you want to be friends, you come see me. And she was accepted on my list. I sent a letter out that Thursday morning, that Saturday morning at 8.37 a.m. Uh, Michelle was sitting in the visitation mm-hmm. room. And, uh, yeah, she got to see her husband for the first time. Of course, she didn't know that I was going to be her husband. <laughs> and I didn't know that she was going to be my wife. But uh, we had a really good visit. We had a lot of fun. We laughed and talked a lot. And uh, but at of least, course, but at least at
0: that point, you knew you were gonna give up cheeseburgers for her. Yeah, she was <laughs> worth giving up cheeseburgers. And I, and I thought, man, this
4: is the best cheeseburger in the world. So, so uh, we actually picked up the habit of writing every single day. Oh my God! And I think we we wrote each other every day for what almost two years.
2: Yeah. Every wow.
4: single yeah. day. And if I wrote twelve, letters, she'd write thirteen. And if I wrote fourteen, she'd write fifteen. How long were these letters? Oh my God! I'm just you, telling you.
2: Oh, Jay. <laughs> Do you, you know how long his, his, yeah. how long are his I mean, letters? He, t- I
0: mean, he wrote me two and three pages
2: okay, letters. Okay, so. let's try like 40 and 50 pages. And he wasn't in love with me,
4: so. Well, okay, I'll give you a hint because the letters become so long. I think my uh, record was like 48 pages. Wow. But the, the, did p- you save all those letters?
2: I, we, the, I do have them. The yeah.
4: pens would run out so I started taking to pencils. Wow. And uh Yeah, cuz those uh, CDC uh pens, they run out they run really out really quick. quick. Mm-hmm. And so I just used Lay it and 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 it seemed every lockdown I'd be writing on a nub, but it was always really cool. Uh she got approved on my visitation list and uh she started visiting every single weekend and I think uh she visited every weekend for what, almost three years. What unit were you at when that? Started? I was on the Styles unit, Mark okay. Styles unit in Beaumont. Okay. And, uh, so. And you were living uh, in where at that time?
2: I was living in Houston at the time. Houston,
4: so wasn't that far of a drive? No,
2: no okay. not at all. Okay.
4: And so we developed this wonderful friendship. And I think the torn- turning point was, uh, we had put in for special relationships so we could get contact because we be behind the glass. Excuse me, and I walked into this, uh, classification and Joe Smith was the warden and, uh, and I asked for special relationships so we can get contact visit. And he'd tell me a little about her. So I told her she was in college and wonderful mother, doing well, work and everything. And, and he looked at me and said, you're not doing nothing. Why, why, why should I give you contact visit with her? And so I was like, well, I want to get in school. And so he looked at the class, classification lady and he said, help him get in school. And so he denied it, actually. And you can only apply every six months. And so he helped me to get in school. I hadn't been in uh inst- learning uh, inst- learn institution for over, almost 20 years yeah and uh so i thought man i will do this so i i applied for school and six months later when i came back up uh she had visited every weekend and uh the warden approved us for our contact visits and uh i'll never forget he looked at me and he said you know i hope it worked out congratulations and so when our first contact visit and uh i think uh the first contact visit uh, set the tone for everything. Yeah, You know, being a man incarcerated almost 20 years, I had this wonderful game plan. I was going to go on visitation, and I was going to uh, hug and kiss her and just wore off her feet. Yeah. But uh, that yeah. didn't work How'd out. how did that very, work out? Well, it didn't work out. It didn't out work out well. at all. Because uh, on the movies, you see the kissing, right? And I thought, man, I'm just going to kiss her and and I think I tried to suck up like a vacuum cleaner and <laughs> it didn't work out.
2: He literally almost choked me with his tongue. I was like, what is this? <laughs>
0: <laughs> they, they didn't, none of the guards were like, hey, hey, I mean, were y'all allowed? I mean, we weren't allowed to, we were allowed to give a hug, I think, at the first and that was it. But,
4: uh. well, we were able to hug and kiss. I think the guards were more concerned about calling medical attention. Uh, <laughs> she was looking uh, a little put out. So, yeah. <laughs> And so yeah. that started. Took her uh, breath away. Yeah, like, yeah, radio. literally. literally. <laughs> hey, but she promised me she'd teach me how to kiss, and I got pretty good at it. So. All right, well, hey. good, good. All right. Yeah. So when did all
0: this escalate
4: into getting married? Well, oh,
2: gosh, two thousand eight is mm-hmm. when we decided to get married. Yeah. Um. And and how I, did y'all go about
0: doing that? I mean, did you have to set that up with? How, how so
2: back then, yeah. you couldn't. they didn't have what they have now where you can actually go into the unit uh. and get married face-to-face. So we had to do by proxy. So my best friend at the time um, stood in place for him. Uh, so it was considered, I guess, marriage by proxy at uh, the local JP's office. And um, so we did that, and then I went to go see him the next...
0: What date was that? Your wedding day, it
2: was February 14th, so it's Valentine's Day. Nice, yeah, nice. which is also happens to be his birthday, yes. What I know and um, uh, oh. and it or also his his parents got married on the Valentine's Day as well. So awesome, yeah. So it, um, wow, yeah, yeah. that's
0: yeah. a good day. What else? No, I one more. Hey.
2: Oh, yeah, his brother's birthday is on. Okay, is
4: wow,
2: yeah. wow. Yeah. wow.
0: Wow, that's crazy! Yeah. So, yeah. What was so special about that that uh, that, that day? Nine before months that. before that.
2: <laughs>
4: <Damn> <laughs> I, I think she chose Valentine's Day to get married so she wouldn't forget our anniversaries. You know what? Yeah. I'm
0: telling you, uh, I got out of prison on April 18th, 2006, mm-hmm. and we got engaged uh, about a year a year and a half later. And we were looking at when we were getting married. And so we were looking at the month of April mm-hmm. and, uh, we were going to do it at our home church, but that was the month of Easter. And so we have all these Easter productions, mm-hmm. so they were not going to allow us to do it on, 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 a Friday night where we had an Easter production. So we had to wait. So there was only one Friday night in April that was available and it was Friday, April 18th. Hmm. So I asked my wife and I said, Hey, our, you know, April 18th is a pretty special day for me. You know, my release from prison. Uh, are you okay with sharing our wedding date with that day? She said, "I'm I'm more than okay because that means you will never forget our wedding anniversary." <laughs> <laughs> and she's right. Yeah. She's right. You know, and, and it's kind of overshadowed uh, my release date now. Yeah. But uh, but okay. So so 2008, you got married, and yeah. then uh, it's been you know marital bliss ever since. No problems.
2: <laughs> Not in the least. <laughs> Because, you know, I,
0: I have friends that were married, and, and you probably met a lot of guys in prison that lost their lost their marriage while they were in prison. Mm-hmm. Right. But here you are in prison, and you're gaining a marriage, yeah. you know. So how did that go for y'all?
2: It was, I mean, it was difficult. Um, I think at first it was, um, you know, roses, but it soon hit reality, right? Yeah. Um, As every marriage does. Yeah. So I think um, the the biggest part for me was the loneliness that you feel um, and that you have to deal with. And, you know, being, quote unquote, married, but your spouse isn't there. They can't provide for you financially. They can't, you know, there's no intimacy. There's there's none of that. And so...
0: Now, did being married, actual married, uh, did that make it feel different emotionally? Because I mean, nothing changed logistically. You were still, he was still in prison yeah. and you were still out here, but did being married make it make it feel more lonely?
2: I think so because the expectation was there. Right. Um, and so, you know, we ran into issues, uh, you know, uh, how many years was it? Into the relationship I had an affair, um, which resulted in a child who is now eight years old. Um, and it was a rough time for us. Uh, Reggie was uh, not happy um, at first, but he really took a, an approach to it like I don't think many men would. Yeah. Um, and he really kind of just said, uh, I mean, I remember the phone call where I had to tell him that I was pregnant
3: Can I say something?
0: Excuse me. Yeah.
3: Go ahead, Clark. It was a little difficult for me, too. Yeah. Yeah. But we loved Michelle. We loved Reggie. And we found out that love covered the multitude of faults. Absolutely. And we loved. We never stopped loving her, not Reggie. We just wanted to be concealed. And you know, at first, Reggie gave up his food stamps to to, uh, not get cheeseburgers. But after he met, you can see the cheeseburger took his toll. Yes, <laughs> yes, he definitely uh, added the cheeseburgers back at some point. Right. Yeah. So but we have never stopped loving her. Yeah.
0: So that uh, so but but you you approved of the marriage, right? Oh, you yes, guys, definitely. When did y'all when did y'all meet Michelle? Before the wedding, because I was I going was around trying to
3: find.
2: Two thousand seven, probably. Yeah. Okay.
0: All right. Yeah. So that's well, that's awesome. All right. So that phone call obviously was a very tough one to make. Oh, yeah.
2: Um, you know, and just having to tell him. Um, but I remember the phone call very clearly, and he basically said, you know, I love you. And we're going to get through this, and I'm going to love that baby just like she was my own. And he's done just that. And um, even though she does know who her biological father is, um, she considers Reggie. She calls. She's always called Reggie Daddy. Um, And so I'm, I'm really grateful for him standing firm in his choice and, um, and for, you know, loving me through it all. Yeah. So, um, and, and even, you know, with that whole thing, I mean, there were instances where, you know, when he was during our relationship, he had, um, relations with an officer. And so, um, that was difficult as well. Um, but we work through it and um, we're here now.
0: <laughs> that phone call for you.
4: Well, <clears throat> in a relationship, in our marriage, we talk many times about uh, the deal breakers. Uh, uh, what well, we draw the line in the sand. And, and for many men in, in prison, I think our thought is that no cheating, be faithful, but if you get pregnant, that's just a deal break. That's just over. And so for the phone call for me, I remember talking to her and the word abortion came up and my thought was, it's no way, yeah. it's no way we're having an abortion because uh, that baby that's grown inside of you had nothing to do with the choice. You made a choice, he made a choice. And so that wasn't an option and so I was angry. I felt betrayed Uh, uh, it was tough but over time I think at this point uh, my relationship with the Lord was growing okay and uh, and so after much prayer I thought okay so I'm gonna try I'll try and so we tried and uh, and we talked we had our moments but I remember uh, praying to God and saying God if I can't be a real father to this child a father that this child deserves, then just remove me out of life. Just, just I, I'll be okay with that. I remember when I didn't want to love Michelle, and, and I would pray, and God, just give me release. I have the excuse. You know, adultery does it. It's deal yeah. breaker. Yeah. I can go. And I just believe that the Holy Spirit impressed my heart to just love her and to reflect the love of God. When I felt I came to an end with my love for her, I believed the love of God flowed through me, yeah. and it was reflected to her, And, uh, and so the baby is growing, the baby is born. She brings the baby for the first time and I hold it in my arms for the first time. And I knew that God had given me a grace and a strength to make the best decision of my life to not walk away. Wow. And so, uh, I fell in love with that little girl and, uh, I think what's her name? Patricia Irene. Yeah. And, uh, I fell in love with that beautiful little girl and, uh, and I never forced her to call me daddy. I just wanted to love her and be the the father that I felt she needed. Yeah. And so uh, over the years, uh, we developed a bond. And uh, yeah, and so I get to do life with her right now.
0: Okay, so you said at this point your relationship with the Lord was growing.
4: It was growing. So let's
0: go back to that moment where there was an encounter with God
4: somehow uh, that changed your, changed your course, your mindset, your direction, and your heart. Okay, so uh, like I said, over time I become uh, institutionalized, and uh, moving contraband, selling tobacco, uh, a whole prostitution ring, uh, anything that made money, gambling, you name it, cash, uh, introducing contraband, you name it. I've been busting cash money while we were on the Mark Styles unit, and uh, I also was moving cell phones, and uh, and so. Uh, So I think the uh, turning point or the fork in the road for me was I was uh, caught with a cell phone and uh, I was placed in administrative segregation, deemed a security threat. Uh, Six by nine cell, 23 hours a day. And uh, I'm a people person, so I'd never been uh, taken out of my habitat. Right, right. And so now I'm in this cell by myself. Hmm. And And that's uh, the worst. For people listening, administrative segregation, which is
0: solitary confinement, is the worst place people people persons can be, yeah. Because I and I hated it. I was only there eight, <laughs> eight, eight, eight days. Yeah. Uh, Ron Atkins was in there
4: thirteen years. Yeah. In, That's like Thirteen years, it's crazy. Yeah. yeah. All right. So how long were you in there? And so you know, I remember going to, to state classification, and uh, the head of classification woman looked at me and told me, "You may as well get comfortable. We don't play cell phones. Mm-hmm. You're gonna be in there at least five or six years." Wow. And uh, and so I was thinking. There's no way I can do it. And but where, I, where were you single at this point, or was this when no, you were married? No, we we were married. Okay. And uh and uh and so I remember going back to my cell, and I thought I have to do something. And so uh, I got on my knees. I had a lot of pride. I thought I was something in prison, and uh and so I had the little peep mirror you look down the run with, mm-hmm. to make sure nobody's coming. And I was praying, and uh I would look out out down the run to make sure nobody's coming. I didn't want nobody to see me praying. And I surrendered my life to the Lord in that six by nine cell. I didn't have the worship team. Nobody escorted me down the aisle to the altar. Uh, no preacher. And uh, I gave my life to the Lord that day and I was reading my Bible. I remember I was frustrated because I wasn't going to another translation. I was reading the New King I mean the King James Version and I challenged God. If you want me to uh be obedient and to become a son of God, then you, you teach me your word of God. And and I began to read and read and read and uh and so I surrendered my life to the Lord. And uh it was cool because six months later I went back to state classification and I was prayed up. I had mountain moving faith and I thought, man, God's gonna do some some miracle. And so I walks in, and I see the same head of classification and everything. I mean, that mountain moving fate immediately went back to a grain of mustard seed. Nothing. <laughs> and I thought, ain't no way. And she didn't even look up. And she said, uh, I'm letting you out of Ad Seg today. And uh, did you, did you uh, catch that case on the win unit? I said, no. And uh, she said, well, I'm letting you out on the win unit. And I thought, crazy. So what was supposed to be five or six years was like 14 months. And uh, I was released from SIG. And so I prayed and asked God for some opportunities, some open doors. It had been over 20 years since I had been to college. And I said, if you let me out of SIG, I'll go to college. And uh, it was a challenge. I was released to medium custody. And uh, after I was put in population, I took the uh, interest test to go back to college. I did go to college, and uh, I graduated from college, Lee College, with a social society. Congratulations. Yeah, applied science and welding technology. I was able to teach welding. And so God just began to open up doors for me with yeah. faith-based dorm and bridges to life. And now, how did that Kyle affect Rose. your
0: relationship uh, uh, when, when you spent 14 months mm-hmm. in ADSEG? How did that affect the marriage?
2: I don't know that it affected it, it one way or the other. Um it was obviously different because I couldn't touch him. Um you know we but were you used, still had visits. We still had class? visits, but it was they were much more limited so he could only okay. I think at the time have two month. two visits a month. Okay. All right. Um versus prior to were that Were doing it had been phone poor... calls back then? No. No phone calls back then. Yeah. Okay. No, no, no. There were phone calls. Yeah, but not at okay. that yeah, so, yeah, so yeah, they the had aspect. them, you just, yeah. them you just couldn't do them
0: do so did that? So you were y'all calling each other on the phone on a regular basis?
4: Well, we couldn't. And well, had, no,
0: I know you're not an answer. So, so yeah. it was affected that way. So oh, you yeah. Couldn't oh yeah, communicate that way. Yeah. yeah. Did y'all write any more uh, forty-eight page letters during that time? Yeah, yeah.
2: Did more, uh, that time? yeah. yeah. we did. We <laughs> did. Um, and it it was just it was it was different. It was. Um, what did you think about all his trouble he got in? Well. Did you know all the details? I did. He you was did? using the cell phone to call me.
0: Oh, so you knew. So
2: I was kind of in on it. But, you know, after... Bonnie and Clyde. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It was actually... We were really blessed. Um, You know, there was a big fiasco that happened where a death row inmate called a state senator right after all of this happened. Yeah, I remember that. And after that, they started giving new free will charges. And so we were grateful that this happened before that because that never happened to him.
0: So Clark and Deborah. You know, he got into a lot of trouble. I don't know how much of all this y'all knew at the time, but did you ever find out about it while he was in prison or are you just hearing about most of this for the first time right now?
1: First
0: time. First time. So so, very new. So so what do y'all think about all that? Well,
1: I'm number one, I'm glad. I mean you
0: knew he was in ad seg, right? At some point, you just didn't know why.
1: Did I not? Those
4: fourteen months you had to know somehow that he Yeah, you came and visited while we're in SEG. I was in Seg.
1: Well, the only thing I can say is that I'm just glad that he made that change, you know, some point yeah. in his life yeah. that uh, he know, you know, I'm not going to get any better or do any better until I really accept Christ as my Savior and just turn from and turn to, turn to God. So that's the good part about it. I, um, um, just for him, you know, to see him come home and that was really hard because, uh, I give Michelle 110. She really she called who she needed to you know contact and get all the information and stuff that she needed to get to uh, get yep. them to be here. So some of it I really don't remember. Yeah. But um, I'm just glad that he just made that decision. To
0: so when he made that decision, turned his life around, did y'all hear about that? Did y'all know about that? He, he told me about that. that. What did y'all think about that? There. Just there.
1: there. Answer yeah. prayer. Yes. I just
3: didn't know about the permissions why he was there right I'm glad he didn't tell me yeah and uh, I'm so grateful I know the love of God brings transformation amen the bridges that gap and I am so glad and sometimes it takes
0: God allowing us to, to do those things to bring us to a point the where stops. he's on I'm his dead. where he's on his knees mm-hmm. uh, and, uh, and and sometimes those consequences that, uh, of the things that we do in life uh, is what brings us, and his kindness during all that, like the Bible he says, is. his kindness brings us to repentance,
3: Burden down, yeah, and so mm-hmm. brings up upliftness of spirit.
2: All right, just so God. blessed, you know. Yeah. I mean,
1: God just had it all worked out where he and Michelle could, you know, meet yeah. because I mean, she's been a lifesaver, I mean, she's been wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Support, so. support, support to us, too.
0: Okay, so now we're past all that. Uh, I think I think we're to the point. We're getting close to where I meet you in prison. You're living for the Lord. You're uh, you've gone through some struggles. I'm seeing you every year now, um, and you start coming up for parole, right? Mm-hmm. You've been there twenty years. Well, yeah. Were you already seeing parole before that? Or actually, gotta, I came I up for case. parole
4: the first time in two thousand six, okay. and uh, I got a five year set off the first time. But when I met you. I was getting uh back to back two year setups at okay. the time. yeah all
0: right so so uh, I think I think we actually I remember kind of remember uh, coming into the wind unit for the first time I think probably in 2010 or eleven mm-hmm. and um, and I, and I don't remember much of you the first couple of years but I just remember the last six or seven or eight mm-hmm. years of really getting to know you a lot more and seeing your face every year seeing some people come and go and then mm-hmm. but just seeing your face and and uh, and I and I got so I got to see you grow in the Lord, and I got letters we wrote, and um, and I and I, I walked through some struggles with you, mm-hmm. um, some challenges, and uh, but at some point I met Michelle on the outside. I don't remember. I think one year you just said call Michelle, call, call yeah. Michelle. You and, and I didn't that year, and when I came back the next year, you said you need to call Michelle, and so finally I did, yeah. and I was glad I did because you're just an awesome. Awesome woman thank you Tim. and um, and like I said, you've donated to forgiven felons so what would y'all say what would y'all say to um, to married couples whether they got married in prison whether they were already married that are going through some things in prison that are challenging that are maybe pushing them to the brink of divorce um, what would you say to them
2: mm. For me it would be. Um, really trying to um, be willing to forgive um, because things happen. We're human and really trying to understand where each other is coming from and being willing to really be open. I, I still say to this day, I never lied to Reggie about what was going on. I was always very upfront with him. um, And I think had I not been upfront with him about what was going on and what I was doing, that it could have been a lot worse. Right. um, But I was always honest about it, even though it hurt. Um, And so just making sure that you communicate with your partner, even when it hurts and it's not easy to hear um, made, I feel like made the difference in our relationship. Um, because as he said, we call it, we used to call it raw and uncut. Um, and we would just say what was on our heart and what was, I mean, we had some really deep conversations and hurtful conversations about our feelings and the, our activities extracurricular activities, so to speak. Um, and, um, and we were just willing to work through it. Yeah. And that made the difference for, for us. And so I would really encourage anybody who's in this, um, to really just be willing to fight for your marriage and to be willing to have those tough conversations that so many people avoid. I've had a lot of friends who've gone through this, um, and unfortunately a lot of them don't make it. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's, it's the little things, you know, that if you can't share the little things, you definitely can't share the big things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just just really being transparent with each other, I think, made the difference for us.
4: Reggie? And for me, uh, not to be religious, but we we love to say stuff like, for this cause, a man should leave his mother and father, should cleave to his wife, and the two should become one. I think uh, very powerful, and it, and it's very accurate. However, we have to remember that there are two sets of eyes, and I think that Looking through your spouse, your partner's eyes uh, is really important. Trying to understand their heart, trying to understand uh, who they are and what they experience. And again, uh, I made a choice, and as a result of my choice, I go to prison. I hold myself accountable and responsible. And so I married this beautiful woman, and and she chooses In the in the in the last 13 years of my incarceration, she makes a choice to say, "Okay, I'm guilty." And do the rest of this time with me. And so, for me, I think uh, I would act. I would say, ask the question: How much? How big is your love, right? And so, what you experience and what you encountering is your love bigger? Is it greater? And uh, I think that's what determines everything for me, and for most relationships. Being being married is hard. Being married and incarcerated is even harder. Yeah. But me and Michelle always held on this hope that if we could make it through this, we could make it through anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anything. And I so.
0: Know, I know some of the letters you wrote me, I know through some of the, the challenging times, mm-hmm. you, would, you would say to me that you're just really seeking God and asking God to, to bring you clarification, yeah. show you some things, and reveal things to you. Yeah. And I think that's important. Yeah. Because I think when you're talking about a marriage, there's really only one thing God can reveal to you. <laughs> and it's all those things you already said. Yeah. Be honest, be transparent, uh-huh. you know, and, and how big is your love? You know, I mean, yeah. all those things, uh-huh. you know, and, and I know, you know, uh, I know that you, your, your, your story is just going to touch a lot of people, a lot of married people, to, and encourage them not to give up, yeah. you know, because you, you guys have gone through the hardest thing, hardest thing together, mm-hmm. you know, and, um, and so I admire you guys. I admire both of you. As, as I've gotten to know you in prison, out of prison, but now I get to know you both out of prison,
3: yeah.
0: and uh, and and I'm I'm just enjoying this. So, you know, you were a leader uh, at the faith-based dorm. Mm-hmm. You know, you were always leading the pack there at the Mike Barber weekends. Mm-hmm. Um, so, there at the end, you know, the last couple of years, I mean, you were you were pretty convinced that you were going to get out, and. Um, and you said the reason why you knew you were going to get out one day is because a long time ago, Mike Barber challenged you to say something, right? Yeah. Tell us about that.
4: Yeah, uh, maybe uh, it was maybe in 2013 or 14. Uh, Mike Barber told me the importance of the power of words. And he told me, he said, every day I want you to say, any day now, I'm coming out. And For men that's experiencing our parole reviews, up for parole, wait for an answer, man, it's so easy to get up every day, every morning, get on your knees and say, Any day, and now I'm coming out. And but after that, I experienced three two year set offs. And I try to encourage guys that the hardest thing is when you physically have that paper in your hand that says a two year set off, you're not going home. What are you going to do? Are you going to get up, up every, day? every day and say, in day now, I'm coming home. And I like to, my wife calls me a dreamer boy, and I like to call her the facts girl because <laughs> uh, because I would speak a lot of things in faith. And sometimes it would be disappointing. I mean, family members go through a lot of things. It's not that they don't believe in God or have a faith in God. It's just tough because a lot of people look at reality. The reality is, I have to come visit and send you money and support you two more years. Yeah. Where on the inside, I'm saying, "Hey, anything could happen. Tomorrow, I might get, you know." And and so, but but uh, so for me, uh, man, those words changed everything. Though, yeah. I tell you, you know, God supernaturally brought me out of that place. Uh, I was up uh, for parole, uh, 15 years worth of set six years. I saw IPOs, uh, inmate parole officers, on the unit. Uh, I saw three commissioners. And for years, I was ashamed to say it, not once out of all those times I came up for parole, I did not get one vote to say yes to go home. Wow. Not one. Wow. I had support from Mike Bob. I had support from other family members. We started getting family uh, uh, conferences to talk to nothing. Zero. Zero. And November 13th, uh, We were on lockdown. I get a lay-in to go to see a commissioner. Well, I wasn't supposed to see a commissioner. Uh, It's November 13th, I wasn't supposed to come up to January. And so I walk into this place and this lady, the first thing she said is, well, I'm here to see you because you haven't seen a commissioner in 10 years. And I'm thinking in my mind, I just saw a commissioner two years ago, but I wasn't gonna stop her. And so anyway, uh, I thought it was the worst visit I ever had with a commissioner, this was the third commissioner. Uh, like I said, I'd have 15 years worth of set-up, six times I, six time I'd been up. And uh, I remember thinking, man, I just screwed this visit up. It was horrible. And I was getting ready to leave, and she went to reach and, and grabbed something. And she had one of those little armbands like, what would Jesus do? Yeah, It was black and, and white. It had a picture of Christ carrying a cross. And I thought, man, she's a Christian. I could pray for her. And I'll never forget, uh, that was in the afternoon, November 13th. On November 15, I was granted parole, but unanimous vote, and so I went from getting no, no votes, votes to, to unanimous votes. decision wow. in less than forty-eight hours. And reentry called me down that Monday, still on lockdown, and they told me, "It's like, man, I can't." He's like, "Man, I ain't never seen somebody get an answered this fast." And so, God just really moved. No, no family conference. Didn't contact my lawyer. No big powerful people speaking for me. Just uh holding on. Man, one of my favorite is. uh the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord mm-hmm. and whatsoever, you know, like the rivers of the water, he turned it whatever whatever way yeah. he wants. And I just knew that that was divine. God had totally turned the heart of the voters and uh, supernatural brought me out.
0: There. And I believe that because let me tell you how quick it went. We were talking about this earlier, and I wanted to – because at that point you were still kind of considering coming to Forgiven Felons. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to go on record and um, – and I'd already, I'd just gone and spoken on behalf of my friend in prison uh, for his release. We got to see one of the lead voters. We went, he went through a parole lawyer. And so we got to speak to the lead voter. And, and it worked. And I thought, man, I want to do this for, for Reggie.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, so I called down there and I said, I want to I set up a face-to-face with the, uh, with the lead voter in, in Reginald Hicks' case. And they said, well, he doesn't have a lead voter. And this was, I mean, this was in October. This was like pretty close to, you know, November. And, and I knew you were, I knew you were, you know, in the review area. And you know, so I was just like, um, they said, we'll call you back. And they got my phone number. We'll call you back. And the, the, nothing, nothing. First of November, nothing. So I called back down there again. He still doesn't have a lead voter assigned to him yet. So I'm thinking, oh, man, they're going to, they're gonna, I'm going to miss the boat. They're going to do it. They're going to, they're going to say no and not even give me a chance to speak. And I'm mad, you know. And so, I mean, this was the first part of November. They still hadn't had a lead voter but then all of a sudden that's how quick it was. You said it was all done so quickly, and it was. Yeah. Because, because next thing I know, I'm getting a call from her, you know, and I'm like, oh my gosh, he's already got an answer. He didn't even need me.
2: <laughs> he didn't
0: even need me. But I was willing, yeah. you know, and uh, but that's how quick everything went, was you got to sign a lead voter and all that stuff happened with you, your your interview and everything, and and it was done. Yeah. And so so I was I was glad. And then and then you know, we had the conversation about you coming home to your dad and then, you know, and then, um, and I knew, you know, I, I, man, you know, one of the things that you told me, you know, in, in that Sunday morning service mm. that I came to in February, mm. you said, uh, you know, you said, I want to get out. I want to get out before, you know, to go see my mom and dad. And, um, you know, and, and my heart broke when I saw, when I saw the post and, and, um, but, but then, you, you know, she said, you, you're, you're going to come here and sit a forgiven felons. And, you know, the selfish part of me was like, dang, man, I want to <laughs> see my boy Reggie. But then the, the part of me, the son part of me, because my dad died a year after I got out. And I believe God made him hold on for me because I I, knew I, I probably would have gone back to drinking if my dad died. So you're a strong, you're a strong man. Um, but but I w- the son part of me was glad. And you say I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go back home and be, mm-hmm. be with, be with mom and dad, and uh, so. And it's a beautiful place. It's a beautiful place. Maybe I'll take a picture and I'll put it on the show notes. Uh, but uh, but I want some pictures of y'all too. I'm gonna put some pictures and 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 both Reggie and Michelle are on Facebook. Deborah Clark, y'all on Facebook?
3: Uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. We're gonna have to look oh,
0: y'all up and get way, friends.
3: They gave up on me to die last year.
0: Yeah, and, and, I, and I remember that because you had – what 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 happened with you? You were in a wreck or you had a stroke or what what happened? Uh,
3: devil heart Double heart surgery. Double heart surgery. And, and, and I was in a and, uh, it So it's a
0: miracle. I'm, I'm sitting across from a miracle.
3: I was 26 years, 26 days in the hospital. Man. In the month of September.
4: You know, it's pretty cool because it was uh, four years ago. I got a letter from my father and I kept it. And he uh, he kind of shared and expressed his heart and said that he'd experienced a lot in life, had worked, had done many things, and, and uh, God was good to him. And uh, he's was experiencing uh, health issues at the time. And uh, the thing that he closed the letter with, he said, I can pray and ask God for anything. He said, but the one thing I ask God for is that I get an opportunity to see you. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. He just wanted to see me come out of prison Yeah yes, And uh Yeah so Amen God Amen yes. thank you, God.
0: Amen I
1: thank
0: you day.
1: You
0: So you got out on what day? Wow well, May 15th May 15th Okay and uh you're out here in a beautiful city called East Bernard. Uh, when I looked it up on a GPS and got directions here, uh, I've never seen this on a GPS directions before. But at the top, of that, at the top, it said uh, this this route may include unpaved roads. That's when I I knew you were out in the country. So, uh, but it's beautiful out here. It's so peaceful. It's so peaceful. Um, you've been out for a month, so um, you've been looking for a job, huh? I have. Has that been challenging?
4: Very challenging. Uh, I was telling Michelle when I when I left, they said beepers and pages. But when you went for a job interview, you just went, in, you fill an application, and you work your charisma, your charm, and you got a job if you knew somebody that worked. But now everything's done over internet and resumes, and so that's been a challenge. No experience, yeah, yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah, it's so been a challenge. That's all
0: right. It's gonna happen uh, for everybody. Uh, if you own a business in East Bernard or maybe in West Houston. Uh, we got a really good uh, strapping man here that can that can work hard. Or really anywhere in Houston, huh? Yeah. yeah. So uh, so Reg, Reginald Hicks, he's uh, big, strong. So if you need a bunch of heavy stuff moved and lifted, uh, and you want to pay him twenty bucks an hour or more, or more, uh, he's worth it. The only bad thing about him is he's wearing a. New England Patriots shirt right now. As a Steeler fan, I'm highly offended by this, by this interview. It's been really hard for me to even look you in the eye because of your shirt, but, um, but he did get it from the Goodwill store. So, uh, that, that makes makes sense. Um, so, but you know, Michelle, is there anything else you want to say before we end?
2: No, I'm good. I, I still think, uh, that the wait was worth it and I'm glad we're here. And, uh, I look forward to spending another 15 years with him.
0: And and more than that, y'all are going to live to be 100. So I believe God has good things for you guys. I believe he has an assignment over your life as a kingdom couple to to lead other people, younger people in their marriages. Maybe some are impacted by incarceration as well. Uh, But I believe that God has such an anointing on you, and that's why Satan tried everything he could (laughs) to tear you apart. And, and and you came out of it on the other side stronger mm. yeah. and so he's still gonna try to he ain't giving up he's the devil's still mm. gonna try to divide you guys but you stay you keep that same faith that you've had through all this time and uh, and I know you still got a mom and dad praying mm-hmm. for you that they they ain't stopped yeah you know I tell people I'm here by the grace of God and mama's prayers but I know mm-hmm. my daddy prayed too
2: yeah.
0: uh, so so thank all of you thank you Clark Deborah thank you Michelle. Mm.
3: Some of you said another fifteen years. I'll be seventy six next month. I tend to be around at least another twenty. Years. There you go. There you go. So uh, so
0: it, it's it's a pleasure knowing both of you guys, and um, and getting to meet your dad and mom uh, has been a pleasure as well. So um, what do you say? You know, we got a guy coming to our ministry June thirtieth. Mm-hmm. He uh, he's done thirty two years, and he's only forty eight, forty nine. Wow ain't fifty yet, so uh, kind of similar to you. Uh, he's going to listen to this podcast. What, what would you say to somebody that's kind of coming out at the same similar time and age and everything as you?
4: Well, uh, be patient. One, be patient. Uh, I thank God. I'm surrounded by family who giving me opportunities to, to ask questions and uh, so much that we don't know. Uh, the mentality on the inside, if you don't know, you just do it until you find it out. Right. But that's not always the best uh, process out here. But I say be patient. Ask, ask questions. Surround yourself with powerful people who go in the direction that you want. Submit yourself uh, to a mentorship. Men. Uh, that's important. And women who can speak into your life. And uh, just, just understand it's a process. Hey, how
0: important are... Uh is the, the the volunteers coming into prison? How important are, is that? People like Mike Barber that come in, you know, just once a year, but also you know uh, the the the, the faith based dorm, the the regular people
4: that come in and how important is all that? Well, I think that it's very important. Uh, you have men and women who come in for free. I remember going to uh, to Kyros for the first time, and I thought, surely y'all get paid. And I was just waiting to say it, and I did. And I learned that they don't get paid. But uh, you have men and women who invest, who said yes. God put a calling on their life, and they're going into prisons. And uh, it's radically changed my life. Uh, It changed everything for me. And uh, it took me from religion to a relationship. Wow, so good. Uh, Watching men, uh, (laughs) asking questions (laughs) about marriage, about family, caused me to hope hope again, to dream again, uh, I didn't have a lot of hope. And so it brought so much hope inside of that place. And so, man, uh, I would say uh that is very vital because the reality is uh, over half of men in prison, go to prison, are released. Yeah. And so these volunteers are coming to, to uh, bring a message to men and women that can affect what happens when that man's released so yeah, yeah. the reality is men are coming to the area near you to your neighborhoods but these men and women who go in are really making a difference and bringing transformation and love to men and and i just think re- revival is happening in texas prisons yeah amen yeah amen. i believe that whatever that how was that uh how was that steak did mike barber take you out for oh steak? <laughs> Yeah, and so it's really good good to uh, have mentors like uh, Jay Gum and Mike Barber that make promises to you, because when you get out, these are men of integrity, and they have to they have to keep their word. That's right. And He's so saying that because I haven't good. given him a shirt yet, but I, I promise the shirts. All yeah, the way. yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so and so and so that's I mean that's just awesome. I mean I, I thank God in this journey, God brought powerful men in my life, yeah. who were able to mentor me. It became more than just a weekend uh function. Yeah. I was able to write these men. Uh, they wrote me. And uh and so man, I, I just, yeah, yeah. I mean, and I, I just believe I believe that uh 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 Texas prison will never be the same because of volunteers that go in. Amen. 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 Well, uh we're gonna wrap this episode up. I don't know if you know this, but Gator.
0: Mm hmm. Michael Elizondo? Yeah. He, he made parole. No! Yeah, he did. Oh, man, I said that too loud. You lied. <laughs> kidding? Got an f 3 so. You yeah. kidding me? He just made parole. So, and he's coming to forgive him felons, so. so.
4: <laughs> really? Yep. So, I just thought, I didn't know if you knew that, so I wanted to let you know. Oh, God. Mike Elizondo, that's one of he's my revival passes. He's been here quite in a long a time. I met him when I, when I
0: first came in. I met him. Yeah. And he told me he had no place to go. And this was, like, yeah. several three-year set-offs ago. And uh, he said he had no place to go. And I said, man, I don't know when you're getting out, but you can come to forgive felons. And every every year. But when he got that three-year set-off, I was like, oh, that broke my heart. But yeah. uh, but he, he made parole, made f FI3. Well,
4: I, without asking my wife, I'd, we'd like to uh, really pour into that situation. So, Man, this is yeah. a miracle. I promise you. Yeah. And so my wife's looking at me like I have nine heads right now. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I just want to. I want to partner with God okay. to make sure that I'm he has a good he He's <laughs> done over 30 yeah. years. Yeah. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. So Over he's gonna 30. he's gonna he's waiting to go to his program and then he'll then he'll come home. Hopefully they'll hopefully they'll release him. This all this COVID nineteen well, virus uh, stuff. Well, fi three he'll probably do changes on the unit. Yeah, yeah. So uh, and then walk off the unit like yeah, you did. Huh? Yeah, yeah. You know, I just want to say uh, to you families out there that that uh, uh, you may or may not ever go through another COVID nineteen uh, season like this where people are getting out, but uh, they were trying to. There was a lot of uh, positive cases on the wind unit yeah. and, uh, and that kept you from getting, getting released when you were supposed to. Um, but, but you have a wife that was fighting for you. I don't even know. <laughs> did, did, does he know how much you were fighting, you know, calling? Cause they were tried to, they tried to delay him one more week. I think you yeah. said, yeah. and you called down there and let him know who you were. Yeah, and yeah. uh and they said, Okay, we'll let him go tomorrow then.
4: <laughs> yeah, uh, actually they changed my date four times. And even on the fifteenth, when I got out that Friday, they had changed it to the eighteenth, then the nineteenth. And it was the uh fourteenth that I called my wife and said, We're off lockdown. She was like, No, you're not and I was like, Yeah She said, You gotta be kidding I was like, No. She said, Well, I don't understand why they changed the date. So she told me to call her early that morning, what she did. 6.30 on the 15th, again, our date is the 19th now. No, no, she and she said, I don't see. care, I'm going to call everybody and this and that. And she was just going off. And and that wasn't a real good phone call because <laughs> at the end I was trying to get everything in. It's a five-minute phone call. And she hung up on me, man. She hung up in my face. <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, uh, so I get off the phone. And at 10 o'clock, I'll never forget, an officer who actually wrote a case on me Maybe five years before, she came to the bars and she said, hey, I know you've been hearing this for a while. Well, every time they changed their date, you had, they had to inform you that they changed it. Right. You didn't lose parole, but your date changed. Yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, they changed the date again. And she say, pack your stuff, you're going home. Mm. What was going on in your mind then? Mm. Well, I, I was so scared, I was sweating. I went to the back to shave because I wanted to be all cute when I got <laughs> out for my wife. And so I'm shaving my head and I had so much skin i cut out the top of my head oh. it looked like a pork skin that was in my razor oh my god but gosh. uh but anyway man it was so powerful they took me downstairs the captain walked me out of the front door wow the front wow. door. wow no let me say it again the front, the front door. door yeah and so i walk out the front door and my wife and my beautiful daughters out there and uh my wife's best friend and my 21 year old runs and jumps in my arms oh, wow. when i met my wife she's a six year old little girl And that's what she used to do in visitation. But this adult, beautiful young girl come (laughs) run and jump me in my arms. And and I'll tell you what, man. Oh, and while we're walking out the doors, you know, three dorms, six dorms, seven Mm -hmm. dorms, all right there in the front. And it's, you know not to say anything out those windows. They'll come shake down, lock down the dorm, all that. But I'm walking out with this captain, and these guys was like, you know what? And they were clapping and screaming for wow. me. And I just cried. Wow. And I'm just, about to cry now. Yeah, man, that, that was a moment I'll never forget. That just for goes to show life.
0: you the impact you had yeah. on the man of that unit. Yeah, and um, you know, and and, and even my, Mouse, you know, Mouse. Yes, yeah, I do. he's at Forgiven Felons, and and and, and he he's been praying for your, yeah. your, your parole release yeah. for a long time. Yeah, and so uh, so he's excited. He was excited when I told him you, you got out. So so anyway. Um, Thank you, everyone, thank for this. You, okay. This has been awesome, and, um, and I appreciate your time. Yeah, so, Thank you. We thank right. you so much for coming out. All right. Go Steelers. <laughs> all right. So to wrap this episode up, I just want to say a few things. Man, this interview really wrecked me at times. When Reggie was talking about his dad wearing a wire, I just couldn't believe what I was hearing then to hear them discuss the affair and the pregnancy. And, and, and I thought it was over, you know, but God, you know, I've always discouraged people regarding starting relationships with inmates. And I've always told inmates not to start relationships with ladies in the world. And most of the time I'm right. But this time with Reggie and Michelle proves that I'm not always right, but it's important to hear what they said. They said, transparency is the key along with what Reggie says, speaking the word of God over your marriage. I also like how Reggie didn't need a church service or an altar call or any fanfare to give his heart to the Lord. And you know what? You don't either. If you're listening and you've made some decisions that have landed you in some some trouble or bad places, it doesn't have to be ad seg or solitary confinement like it was for me and Reggie. You can, you can make the change right now. You can confess your sins to God, ask him to forgive you, and ask Jesus to come into your heart and live as Lord and Savior. That's all you need to do, according to Romans 10, 9 through 10. But that's not the end. You've got to get some discipleship after that. You can't just pray the prayer and then everything changes. You've got to be purposeful about your growth. You know, Reggie served in the faith-based dorm. He helped with Mike Barber weekend setups and was very intentional about his spiritual growth and that's what it's all about if you're not intentional about spiritual growth you'll walk in the default which is intentionally dying because if you're not growing you're dying and there's no there's no sitting still there's no stagnation listen if you want to follow reggie and michelle look them up on facebook they just they post the greatest pictures and they're just the most awesome couple um, I'll put their profile links on the show notes on the website, forgivenfelons.org forward slash background check. Uh, and i also put some more pictures of them, including, you know, visitation pics and Reggie in his cap and gown. And then you can see the whole family, Clark and Deborah, and the, and the daughters on there as well. Listen, if this episode has touched your heart in some way or any other episode, please leave us a review. It doesn't matter which episode you leave it on. Just leave us a review and rate us. It really helps us get more exposure. And uh, you know what? If your company would like to sponsor one of our episodes or the whole show, uh, we have that available. So you'll get shout-outs here and on the website. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of Background Check. Subscribe so you won't miss the new episodes that come out every Friday at noon uh, or noonish. And share the heck out of it. Refer everyone you know. Let them know about all the great stories that you're hearing on here. And listen, if you're struggling with addiction, or any kind of lifestyle or pattern of behavior that is destructive, get a hold of us through our website. We'll do our best to help you or point you in the direction to where you can get some help. If you'd like to give to Forgiven Felons, please visit us uh, on our donation page on the website. All right, and we'll see you next time on Background Check. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast brought to you by Forgiven Felons. Helping people with a past realize their future. For more information, please visit forgivenfelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm Jaden Gum, and this has been Background Check.